Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast. I'm Simon Cheskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we will be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors and drama that you will want to hear about. In this week's episode we will be breaking down season one of Netflix's quarterback and who we think should start in season two. Then we'll take a trip up north to talk about a rule being used in the Canadian Elite Basketball League that could completely change basketball as you know it. And then we'll finish off by taking a look at the rumor mill in both the MLB and the NHL. Caleb, are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. So as a recent trend in the league, uh, positional value is one of the biggest conversations that we're having right now in the NFL offseason. And the where that conversation is focused on is running backs. And it's kind of been a trend that's started to emerge as the league starts to favor a more pass-heavy offense and GMs start to realize where they can get value in the draft, star running backs such as Josh Jacobs, such as Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, who's in a contract dispute, Austin Eckler is another big name who's been in a contract dispute with the Chargers for a while now. Uh, These players feel like they're not being paid their worth, but in the same time, GMs are starting to realize that they can get about 80% of what some of these players are in the 5th, 6th, 7th rounds. And these players are starting to fight back against that. And they all got together in a Zoom call Saturday to discuss um, what that market is looking like for them and how they can potentially fight back. And Simon, I was just wondering what what your kind of take is on the situation in terms of um, do you think these running backs have a case? And what do you think about how the market's been trending in the last few years? Well, I think it definitely makes sense. I think it's something that I think more people should have saw coming just with how the game has changed, especially in the last 10 years with, or even 20, with the NFL just quickly moving more and more into a pass-heavy just game in general. So I'm, it doesn't surprise me at all. Obviously, about 10 years, 10 years ago-ish, we started seeing like fullbacks being phased out as well, and now we're starting to, not quite phased out, but you know what I mean where you're starting to see a lot less talent and a lot less talk around that position. And now we're almost starting to see that with running backs, where the argument could be made that they're just not as necessary. Like you said, you could get 80% out of that. 80 cent, 80, okay, 80% out of a drafted uh, running back that you could get out of an all-star, right, or a pro bowler. So it's really interesting to me. Well, I'm curious what's going to come out of this, really, because I don't know necessarily what they can do about it, because it's almost like you're trying to prevent the inevitable in that sense, where the market's just going to keep going down unless something incredible changes football as a whole. But obviously, who knows if that's going to happen, right? So I don't know. I think it's a... I definitely... I'm definitely on the side that agrees with the fact that they, it probably should be going down because I don't know if I'd want to pay a running back like Derrick Henry who's going into his 30s or something like that, a lot of money, or obviously the big one that we're hearing about. Obviously, there's a bit of controversy around it, but um, but Cook, obviously, he's been trying to get a new contract and the money's been pretty low for him from what all the rumors have been saying. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's something where... Um... It's something where you kind of think you're you're looking at all of the running backs who have come into the league in recent years. And so I use the Chiefs as a good example of this. You're looking at um, the Chiefs who drafted a running back with their first round pick. They drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 32nd overall. And that's a big, big name player. And in the end, you ended up not getting 
the kind of production from him that you were hoping for. And instead, where you saw their production come through in their Super Bowl seasons were from more role players, from guys like Isaiah Pacheco, from guys like Jarek McKinnon. And I think that's something that's... That's kind of that problem in a nutshell, is running backs were, in all essence, stars from before, but I think the perspective is shifting to where you start to realize how much of a running back's impact is dependent on the line they have in front of them. And when you have a good offensive line, anybody can run through those holes. And I think that's where it becomes tricky to pay a running back as a GM. And not that I don't see the side from the players here. Like, obviously, um, they make some good points in, in terms of, like, Nick, Nick Chubb saying um, that running backs are the only position that their production hurts them the most. If they go out there and run for 2,000 yards with so many carries, the next year they're going to say, you're probably worn down. It's tough, and it hurts us at the end of the day, which totally makes sense. Because um, from a player perspective, you're obviously hoping that they can make as much as they can um, and be valued for, especially running backs, their short career, because they do make a lot of money, but you ultimately, from a player perspective, want to see them get paid what they're worth. But the question is, how much are, of running backs are actually worth that premium price that other star players get? Because in the past, they're put along the same kind of tier as a receiver, especially earlier on. Um, in NFL history where running was more of a premium. But now looking at it, um, now looking at it in uh, the modern era, not not only because of how much more passing is favored, but just because of the perspective on running back value and how quickly they're cycled out and how short a lot of their careers are, there's only a few difference makers that I can truly say deserve like top tier player money and even some of those difference makers i was listening to another football podcast the other day on bootleg football with brett coleman ej snyder they were talking about the christian mccaffrey trade and they said um they didn't really love it because they felt like giving up a second third round pick was a little bit too much which i thought was an interesting discussion because he feels like one of those players that would actually be worth that kind of compensation just because of the other skills that he has, especially in the receiving game. But even then, um, the value of how much he brings to the team is put into question. Because if you put, like, a similar... Like, because Christian McCaffrey's, like, a top-three running back. If you're talking about a top-three receiver, getting, like, second-round picks, third-round picks for him would not be out of That'd question be entirely. But when you're talking about a running back, it's different. Yeah, if you're getting a top-three... Or, uh, sorry, a second- and third-round pick for a top-three receiver, holy smokes. <laughs> What team would turn that down? It doesn't matter what your receiving core is, right? But it's just, it's such a different game now where, obviously, I feel like I lean more towards the fact just because of Christian McCaffrey's impact in the receiving game as well, or the passing game, sorry. I feel like there's a little bit more of an argument to be made. I think I personally would have no issue giving a second and third for McCaffrey. That's just me because it's McCaffrey. But that also could be me. my head stuck three or four years ago, right? Where back then... This would be an absolute fleece. Maybe it's different now, right? It's just a different market. And that's the crazy reality that we're living in now where running backs just aren't getting that same amount of money for the talents that they arguably, or the same amount of money that they arguably deserve. Where I, I just GMs are starting to smarten up and realize that they just aren't going to get that, right? They're not going to get that much more 
than what they could possibly get from a guy that they'd probably only pay two or three million. Like you don't necessarily need that top, top, top tier workhorse running back anymore when you can get the same type of thing out of like three guys. Like you can just pay three guys two mil, you're good. Yeah. Don't even have to worry about injuries because you got three guys. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's kind of how it's looking more in the NFL is running back by committee. You rarely see any like workhorse backs anymore because you've you've got the big name you've got the Barclays you've got the Henrys you've got the Nick Chubbs you've got the Josh Jacobs but even looking at like a player like Nick Chubb he still shared the backfield with Kareem Hunt a lot of teams are going backfield by committee even when they have a star running back even looking at my team the Seahawks they have their star running back in um, Kenneth Walker who was amazing last year and had he not and had he started the first few games of the season and maybe kept up production a little bit more. I think he could have been in the, like, really pushing Garrett Wilson for that offensive rookie of the year. Um, even despite all of that, the Seahawks still went out and drafted another running back in the third round, and uh, Zach Charbonnet. Um, because you really can't, like, because of the fact that you can probably get 90% of, 80 to 90% of what um, Kenneth Walker provides in a Zach Charbonnet, and also because the durability of the position is even though it is a fair point to where to say that it's not fair that a running back's production hurts them there is still something to be said about how much more contact they take how much more um stress they're putting on their bodies it's definitely um it's a bit of a catch-22 it's a bit of a catch-22 in that um you want to see these starting backs get paid. You want to see them. Uh, you want to see them get paid for their production. But at the same time, there for teams from a GM position, there are just much better ways to build a team. If you're spending a lot of money on a running back, I don't know how much you're going to win. Yeah, for sure, I totally agree. Like you can, ju- you can win now just by doing. You don't need to have that big name anymore. It's just you can win with three or even two guys and that's obviously like you said the Seahawks like I think that's a great example they drafted a guy in the third round like you said that is you got to wonder how many teams are just going to start doing that where you're just going to start seeing just a a constant cycle of running backs coming in every year straight out of college to have a great year and then get you know maybe not tossed aside but obviously once that rookie contract runs out you got to wonder how much money they're going to make at the end of the day right you got to wonder, maybe is there more value getting a young guy straight out of college who can, you know, fresh legs, give you two or three good years and then toss them in the trash? Would that be better than paying a, I don't know, I keep saying Derrick Henry. Obviously, he, he'll get as much money as he wants because he's Derrick Henry. But I feel like, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Derrick Henry doesn't get that much amount of money anymore because of stuff like this. Maybe those guys don't, like... This is, like I said, this is a reality that that position is moving towards. If you're a younger player, I feel like like watching all this happen, you and you want to be a running back, go be a receiver. <laughs> I feel like that's the lesson here. It's the, you honestly, it's just, it's the one skill position that every GM starting to realize that you don't necessarily need, I don't want to say that much skill because that's obviously underselling it, but you don't need as much skill as a wide receiver or hell, obviously a quarterback. Like it's just, it really is bonkers. It's crazy how different the game has 
or how much the game has changed story in the last, I think, like 40 years ago when imagine talking about how you could just throw away running backs <laughs> like willy-nilly, like in the 1980s, you'd be bonkers, right? Like that's just how much the game has changed. And it's honestly, I don't know if it's for the better or for the worst, obviously for the worst for running backs, but I, I'm curious for where it goes. Yeah, and I think I just want to put this, the issue that running backs are having, because I think it can be easy to just say like, oh, they're they're millionaires. And obviously, like, that's another thing. Like, yeah. why are they complaining <laughs> about getting paid, like, a couple million less? But it is important to put it in perspective just how much less they're valued. So I brought up, I'm going to have you do a little bit of a guessing game here, Simon. Uh, I brought up the top I stat. might know the stat you're going to bring up. <laughs> oh, I, maybe, maybe or maybe not. So the top paid running back in the league is Christian McCaffrey. And he's making about $16 million a year. So that's running back one in the contract market. How far, like how many, I'll figure out how to phrase this. So the How first, many wide receivers down? Yeah, do you have list? to go? So like, that's like, I, I haven't heard this, but yeah. I, that is how, an interesting question. How many question receivers because... are paid more than the top paid running back? Is my question. What, okay, what I, I kind of already have my guess, but I'll break it down just in my own, just out loud. In my head, I'm thinking, because obviously an also, argument that I... Bonus that points got, if you guess the player. Bonus points if you guess the player who earns about the same amount <laughs> as the top running back. 16, what was it? 16 million? About 16. A little, a, like a oh. little bit more than 16. I don't think, I, I don't even want to try and guess the player, but unless it's someone I'd get, but you know what, whatever. I just wanted, like in my head, I'm thinking like a skilled slot third receiver kind of guy could be making $16 million a year. That's not a bonker. That's not a crazy statement by any means, right? That's the crazy thing. So part of me wants to say like, maybe I want to say it'd be a top tier third receiver though. So my guess would be top tier third receiver on a team. So like a better third receiver, (laughs) So let's say, in my guess, ballpark 65. Wide receiver 65. There's 65. Okay. Oh, no. One second. Yeah, never mind. 65. Yep. Not, quite, not quite that bad. Not quite that bad. It's oh, okay. Wide receiver, there's about 20. It's about 20. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> yeah. It's a, the, okay. To put it in perspective, there's um, the player who gets a paid about the same amount as Christian McCaffrey is around like a Hunter Renfro or an Odell Beckham, so that you're getting down to like Hunter Renfro <laughs> second on the depth chart. Um, that Lockett gets paid more, um, so that's getting down to like. But then you can go down the list even further, looking at a player like Austin Eckler, who's if you have him in fantasy, you know how valuable he can be. Austin Eckler oh, yeah. is, is getting paid about six million. You have to go all the way down. I'm not even going to count this. Um, yeah, but you're looking down me. at people like Darius Slayton, um, a bunch well, of people still on the If I just want to quickly, Zay Jones quickly say this, like two million more. Yeah, just a quick argument for uh, <laughs> McCaffrey on that one. If I'm being honest with you, not a controversial statement. If I had the choice to trade Hunter Renfro for McCaffrey, <laughs> but, but, you would you? but would you? Yeah. Oh yeah. What are percent you could I, make McCaffrey. I think you could make McCaffrey play receiver the whole season and probably get the same out of same you'd get out of Hunter Renfro. I don't McCaffrey, know McCaffrey. Although you don't think so, I don't know. Is that it's, a controversial it's, it's statement? Tricky. Like <laughs> that, that's what's tricky about it. Is 
is Christian McCaffrey more valuable than a Hunter Renfro? Or even I'll go a little bit up. This guy's getting paid a little bit more, but as valuable as a Mike Evans. Like, would you rather have a Mike Evans? I feel like I'd have a harder... You'd have a harder time selling that to me, for sure. Obviously, can I just quickly say... I I probably should have started it off with this. I am... I did say that I lean towards court general managers not necessarily needing to pay that star guy. I still think having that star guy can be huge because they're, they're obviously stats. Stats can say whatever you want, but there are situations in a game where you need a fourth and one or a third and one or what have you, right? Or fourth and two, fourth and three, whatever. And there's certain situations where if you have a Derrick Henry, that makes that choice to go for it way easier, right? Like for a coach. And part of me wants to say that in those clutch situations where you just need that guy, it almost makes it worth it paying a guy like Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, he's not a power back, but work with me here. Um, Derrick Henry, one of those guys who can really you really can trust because when was the last time Derrick Henry didn't get a fourth and two, right? Like it's one of those – it's almost like you're paying for an automatic down at a certain point. Obviously, you know what? Never mind. I'll just leave it there. I'll see where you want to take it. I have a feeling I yeah, don't counter to that, but uh, I I don't know. It's it's tricky, and I'll I'll, I'll go back to the the salary comparison here. Derrick Henry is getting paid about as much as uh, Corey Davis. That's another a comparison you can make. <laughs> Caleb, would you trade Corey Davis for Derrick Henry <laughs> if you were the Jets? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> But at the same time, really? Der- again, Derrick Henry is turning 30. How many more good years are you going to get out of Derrick Henry? I'd say how many more good years are you going to get out of A-Rod? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I feel like still, you take it. <laughs> still, I don't know. I, I do think it's an interesting conversation to be had. Um, the one last one I will compare it to is offensive tackle. So I'll do the same thing for offensive tackle. Mm, how, yeah. many more, how many offensive could, tackles do you have to go past to get to a Christian McCaffrey type salary? Of sixteen million. Remember, wide, okay, wide right. receivers is a is it was eight eighteen about twenty. Right. Okay. So, well, my guess would be lower, like a lower number, just because I've obviously there's been the talks around. Uh, oh, I feel bad now because I'm forgetting his name, but the Cowboys uh, guard like been elite for ten years. There's been the arguments around his contract because he's getting underpaid and he's getting six million which is, I think they said about $4 million lower than... Or is it... You know what? Just say it. I don't even have a guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm going to spin myself in circles. It is about the same as receivers. You have to get to offensive tackle 19 mm, with Jordan geez. Mailata for Philadelphia. Although I can say, I can say that I'd rather have an elite offensive tackle than I'd rather have a, than a running back. That's I would not too. a hard choice too. at all. I would too. Like, would like, you rather have a we've seen a Jordan Mailata? I mean, versus a Christian McCaffrey. I feel like as Seahawks fans, as Seahawks fans, we can talk to how important an offensive line can be, especially just for a quarterback, right? Yeah. Like, imagine if you had a good offensive line in front of uh, Russell Wilson in some of those years, and those could have been very different years. <laughs> yeah. Like you give Russ that extra second, and you never know. Yeah, but. and I think I think the. Um, the different, I think the where this conversation definitely like takes a turn, and where you feel like the running backs have a point is just the difference between the prestige and the like fame of the players that are getting paid about the same amount as players. If you asked any random NFL fan on the street, they probably wouldn't be able to name. 
Like, I don't know if you could talk to yeah. any random NFL fan and they could pull up Jordan Mailata. Um, like, like quick, who's the left tackle on the Philadelphia Eagles? They would. I don't know. Most of them probably wouldn't be able to name Jordan. The funny thing is, is if you hadn't if you hadn't said that, I probably couldn't have said Jordan Mailata. Yeah, like that's just it's like, just like off, offenses is such a big or uh, an offensive lineman aren't sexy. Yeah, but I think that's where like, GMs are going. They're starting to prioritize value, positional value, over the big name players, and so Christian McCaffrey is who you're going to see every night. But Jordan Mailata would make his money by not being seen. You offensive linemen are good yeah. when they're not seen, and I think that's where the disconnect is: is between how famous these players are and how much production they're getting. But if you look at it a similar way, <coughs> um, players like an offensive tackle can be valued more just because they they bring a lot more that you don't even see. And then similar similar thing for wide receivers, just on a different level. Um, Wide receivers don't take as much of a beating. They, you had you can utilize multiple at once a little bit more easily. Like, there's not a lot of two running back sets that are used in the NFL anymore. Um, True, but you're always going to have your spread offenses. You're going to have your three, four, five receiver sets. Um, so, like, there's a reason that a wide receiver two is getting paid a heck of a lot more than even a running back one. Because if you're a Tyler Lockett, you're still going... Like, Tyler Lockett, back, back, probably wide receiver 2 to DK Metcalf, debatable. But there's a reason he's making more money than the top-paid running back in the league. Because he's still able to get more... if uh, The same, if not more, production. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's where GMs are kind of heading to this point. Um, which is, it sucks for the running backs. But as a GM, I don't think I would do anything different. No, and I totally agree with you. So I'm not really a big TV show guy, but one of the things that caught my eye when I was scanning through Netflix, which I do probably once a month, is the new quarterback show, which is why I'm thankful that it came out pretty much at the perfect time, where I actually got to see it on time. (laughs) But it was actually, uh, it was very interesting. It was something that I didn't actually know. I might have been living under a rock, but I had no idea it was coming. And it was super, it was a, a very interesting idea to me, just out of, from the standpoint of, it was very clear the inspiration was coming from uh, the F1 show. All of a sudden, I'm drawing a blank, which is kind of strange considering I watched it. That's what it is. And uh, I'm actually an F1 fan. And uh, from that standpoint, I thought they did a pretty good job. Like, obviously, the big uh, thing that everybody's getting from it is obviously they didn't quite hit that, that uh, Drive to Survive really did hit and just how good of a job they did showing the behind the scenes. But I still think they did a killer job. I don't know about you, Caleb. I thought, so I'm not all the way through it yet. I'm about halfway. Um, but what I've seen from it so far has, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, I've really enjoyed it. It's been good. I think the biggest thing for me is that as someone who is a huge football fan, it feels like it's not quite catered to me. It feels like it is a little bit more catered to people who ha- either know very little about football or haven't watched a game of football in their life. And I think that's completely okay. Like, I know for me, my mom has started getting a little bit more into football because she saw the show on Netflix and was curious and watched it. <clears throat> and so now I have my mom asking me about Kirk Cousins, which is something I, like, never thought would happen. Um, <laughs> so for that, then, I think it works really well. I think it's I think it's awesome. And the way they structure their episodes yeah. is it's not... Um, 
it's not week by week. Um, they'll kind of go all over the place. They like even like, between the different quarterbacks, but also they'll jump back and forth because they've got more of a, a theme. So I know like some of the, the episodes that I remember, there's like homecoming. So it was like Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins going back to Washington, uh, Mariota going up to Seattle because he played college football up in Oregon, and then Mahomes going back to Texas Tech to get his number retired. Like there's a common theme there, and it was the same thing with a bunch of other game, uh, a bunch of other episodes. Like the last one I watched was all about like game preparation and what quarterbacks do to memorize the playbook and game plan. And you see that throughout, and they highlight one specific game where that was paramount. Uh, the biggest one that I remember for me was there was another episode about dealing with the physical toll of being a quarterback, and they played the ending of that episode was the crazy Vikings-Bills game, uh, one of the best games of the year, and just showing the physical toll that it was taking on Kirk Cousins. And um, it's great because I think it provides a good baseline to show what the quarterback position is all about. And, and in essence, because of how important the quarterback is, how it also shows it also shows um, what the game of football is all about, which I think is awesome, and I think it's a great way to introduce new people to the sport. But for me, as a yeah. football fan who knows a lot, I kind of prefer something like Hard Knocks, just because it goes a little bit more in-depth onto... Like, it goes into the show assuming you know what football is. Like, you're not going to go... You're generally not going to go into Hard Knocks not knowing something about the team you're watching. But for quarterback, it very much felt like this was an introduction to Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Mariota. It didn't go in assuming anything, which I think is great, but, like, personally, not my favorite. I'll still watch it. I still enjoy it, but not... I can tell it's not catered for me. Yep, and I feel like you hit it right on the, right at the end there, right where I was going to jump on there, actually, where it's definitely catered more around the personalities of the quarterback which is something that I want to touch more on later when we get into who we think they should bring in for season two. But I think that from the standpoint of knowing what they were going or trying to do by trying to make something that's similar to Drive to Survive, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't catered for a fan like you or necessarily me. It was more to bring new fans in, which is exactly what Drive to Survive is. I know plenty of people, not including myself, but I know that it did have a factor in the getting into F1, I know a lot of people who uh, got into it from watching that Netflix series because it really did a good job just giving you a general idea of what it's all about, introducing you to the personalities of racing and all of that, right? It did an excellent job doing that. And they, from that standpoint, I think they did a pretty killer job. I think that while I don't... I think I don't have a lot of issues with it. I, I want to get into asking you about, like... Uh, just around um, just preferences for what you thought in, in general as a general review of it. But uh, did you have like a favorite? Obviously they bounced back or bounced in between all three quarterbacks. Did you have a favorite that you kind of like to watch? Cause I definitely did. I think most people did. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I feel like the stock answer is probably, probably Kirk cousins. And, and I think, and I think yeah. so too. Like he's, he has a great personality. I think the least interesting is Mahomes. Um, just because I feel like I already know so much about Mahomes and I am kind of already like indoctrinated with his life. He definitely comes across as more personable in the show. Um, and I feel a little yeah. bit more of a connection to him. And I think choosing Mahomes is still a great decision, especially when you keep in mind that the goal is to introduce people to football. Like that's what I show 
um like if i'm getting if i'm trying to get someone into football like i'm trying to get my girlfriend into football i'd show her Mahomes highlights because it's like this is what the peak of the sport is um it's Mahomes. so the fact that like i can go into that second episode and you see the clip of him uh like it's the him against the Bucks where he does like the insane juke, like spins around the defender, shovel pass in the back of the end zone. Um, if you've seen the play, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but like that, I think it was really important to have Mahomes in there just so people can see what that aspect is all about. Like you can see the wow moments and you can see why people would love to watch him in a game. But in terms of personality, it's not the best. But um, Kirk Cousins definitely my favorite, and Mariota. I think it was interesting. I just like less so like Mariota is a very likable guy. He's not like overloading with personality or anything. I just thought it was really interesting. And I've heard rumblings that it gets even more interesting with him being benched later on. I haven't quite gotten that far, but I think the position that he's in is someone on the fringes of the like starting 32. I thought that was a really interesting way to do it. I thought the three perspectives of having a superstar, having a, like an, average to above average quarterback and then having your fringe guy i thought that was a good balance to strike overall in terms of personality yeah like to go back to the original question i'd like kirk cousins more but i think they i think they overall had pretty decent choices for what they could have done and even though i didn't love Mahomes or mariota's stuff as much i think it was still a good way to balance it out Yep, and you're making my job really hard because you're saying all the same stuff that I was going to (laughs) say. I was about to say, I think that that's one of the things they did an excellent job doing. Obviously, when you're looking at it from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know a lot about football, having Mahomes or just an overall Pro Bowl quarterback is so important. You need to have that guy who's going to be able to show you the elite of the elite. But the thing is, like you said, it's important to have almost three different angles or else it just kind of gets boring. Like you couldn't have had done the show with like Mahomes, Burroughs and and uh Allen, right? Like it just wouldn't have been interesting, right? It's just it's just wouldn't have worked as well. Which is why I think they did an excellent job. You brought in the elite guy, you brought in somebody who's I don't want to call him middle of the pack because I think he's slightly above that, but a Kurt but a personality to kind of like mix everything in, and then you're bringing in the guy who's really fighting for his job, who's making his way back into the league and you get to hear the story of somebody who hasn't necessarily had the easiest time right which makes a very it mixes very well and it's a big reason why i think it was so successful with this obviously there's a lot of people who are saying it could have been better i i really liked it i i think it was really well done i think that's kind of what you're saying too from the perspective of introducing people to football i think it's I think it's excellent. I think it's a great job. Obviously, they already announced that season two is going to be happening as well. I I mentioned this a little bit to you before we started this segment. I'm curious who... I asked you just to try and get a list in your head of uh, guys who you would like to have for season two. Um, who do you have and why? Okay. <laughs> we'll just but, hop right into before, it. Before I get to that, can I throw out another potential idea for a season two that I think would be even better than choosing three different quarterbacks? And that's going to be, okay. yeah. Um, I think if the idea is to introduce people to the sport, uh, I don't think you should do a quarterback season two. I think what you should do is move on to another position group. Receive. Think and this argument receivers. has been made. Think yeah. about receivers. Think about doing a show with like 
with like a Tyreek Hill, like the think because the receivers are the ultimate personalities. I'm thinking like a Tyreek Hill or Justin Jefferson is that that superstar. Um, trying to think middle of the pack guys like the good Kirk Cousins similar person would be he's yeah. definitely not middle of the pack but would be like a Tyler Lockett and then you pick some sort of <laughs> up and coming third receiver like that would be a cool show I would be much more interested in that be. than a quarterback season two but uh, I don't know what you think of that idea well I definitely have heard that because that's not uh, that's not something that hasn't been thrown out there I don't know if it's necessarily been talked about on the level of that you know actually talked about whether it would happen or not, or whether it's just people throwing out ideas, but I don't hate it. I definitely would watch it. I I really like the idea of bringing it back to quarterbacks again, just because it's the same idea of... I like the idea of, now that we've seen the personalities of Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, and, uh, and uh, Mariota, I think it's it'd be really interesting to see the personality of more of these quarterbacks, just because I just find the... Obviously, I just find the position of quarterback so interesting in the NFL because of so many different reasons that I wouldn't have an issue seeing season two. But I feel like after, like, I don't think you should wrap up this at one season. That's the one thing that I did, might disagree with you on. I think maybe you do a second season, bring a couple more guys through. Maybe you could even do, I know there's been talks about potentially having more than three guys in season two, which would be interesting. But I feel like maybe do a second season, bring a couple more names through, and then once the gimmick gets old, then you move on to wide receivers or running backs or corners, what have you, right? Like, you can move on to – hell, imagine if they did, like, even just a defense or something like that. Maybe you could even make it more broader, right, where you just follow three defensive players or even – you could spread it out if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, no, I think – I honestly, like, that, that last idea, I think that's a really good one. And I think, honestly, in hindsight, that may have been – I may have – liked that more from the start instead of looking at three quarterbacks just taking three players in general or maybe even broadening it out because three players is a lot to limit it to but like even if you do like a maybe a Kirk Cousins and then you do then you do a um a Tyree Kill and then you do someone on the defense like a cornerback or something like I think that would be interesting and I think one of the issues that they're gonna have if they want to look into that idea is the fact that they've already marketed marketed it as uh, quarterback it's the quarterback show it's not necessarily about the nfl and i think they are a little kind of putting themselves in a box a little bit i understand why they did it because it's the most marketable position because it's the players that people it's also know. made by peyton manning <laughs> it's also made by peyton manning yeah but peyton manning couldn't have been nearly as good as he was if he didn't have marvin harrison like if True. he didn't have any of yep, the, that's fair yep of the players around him and think about peyton manning winning super bowl 50 he only did it because of that defense like, do you think Peyton Manning wouldn't want to give props to Von Miller? Like, I, I do think there should be a little bit more emphasis on the other positions going forward. Like, that's what I'd want to see. But I, 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 I do I do get where you're coming from. I do think, a, like, a second season with all quarterbacks would still be interesting. I just think if the goal is to grow knowledge and interest in the sport, I think that um, expanding it to other positions would be a way to do it now that you've already had people hooked in with quarterbacks. And I think that Honestly, with the personalities of some of these guys, because quarterbacks are are interesting in how much responsibility they have. It's the hardest position in sports. Um, but they don't, like, they're more similar to hockey players in how they're, like, they're constantly taking responsibility. They're, um, 
like you see their press conferences, they'll give stock answers similar to hockey players. That's not the same for receivers and cornerbacks. That would almost be a more interesting watch to me, just because of the different types of personalities that you see. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that would be my where my argument for it would would end. Um, I just think it would make for a little bit more interesting TV, and I also think it would be a way to expand the knowledge of the sport. Just because, like going back to the quarterbacks, if you do another three, what different points are you going to hit? Because they're doing these themed episodes, what different points are you going to hit that you haven't hit already? Mm, that is not something that I was thinking about. So when I asked this next question, <laughs> you know what? We'll just, I was going to say, let's spin it back. If you were to give three quarterbacks, what would you name? But that makes it harder because obviously when you're bringing it back to what themes would you try and hit, that's not necessarily something that I was thinking about. But now that you pointed out, that's a very, very important thing because obviously that is, oh, that's a very, very good point. I, I wish I thought of that <laughs> before coming up with names, but, uh, if you want to do you, do you have three quarterbacks? Yeah, I can, I can, or I, I have, I have even some three idea. ideas. I have some idea. Okay. okay so I'll go, I'll, I'm going to use the same structure as quarterback did. So I'm going a superstar. I'm going a, above average, middle of the road, kind of, let's say 10 to 20 guy. Then I've got a borderline starter. Um, <clears throat> I think the trickiest one to come up with is that 10 to 20 guy, because I think you already have, I think they already picked the best person for that in Kirk Cousins, um, in terms of personality. Yeah. However, you're not going to get a better Kirk Cousins. <laughs> no, you're not. But I think with this lineup, this would hit it under the park. My superstar is going to be Joe Burrow. I think that... If you're looking for personality, I just think of the clip of him smoking a cigar in the LSU locker room after they won the national championship. You're going to get it with Joe. Oh, Burrow, yeah. And you are going to get some cool moments, especially in those big games. Like, that would be, I, again, I don't, I haven't watched the full show. I don't know if they hit on, like, if you're looking for other themes, like the clutch factor, that could be something you could focus on with a Joe Burrow because that is his whole persona. That would be an interesting pick for me. That would be my superstar. I'm going to skip that 10 to 20 range because, honestly, I'm having trouble finding someone. But I'm going to go to my lower end, and I think that one is an easy pick, too. That, I'm going with Baker Mayfield. And I think that that would be a really really interesting one because it's a similar thing to Mariota. Drafted early, fell out of favor. You can examine why that happened. You can take a look at how... Because it, it, it was playing through that injury that got him to this point. Playing through that shoulder injury took him from the Brown savior to being having to fight for that job. And we've talked about this on the podcast and like why I think Bigger Mayfield hate is a little bit overdone. But also just that personality. It's again like you. This is I'm trying to I'm trying to get a little bit more personnel, a little bit more because none of these guys, none of Mahomes, Cousins, Mariota, they are not like going to be as self-confident as a Burrow, as a Mayfield. Mahomes will make a throw, and like, yeah, you see him in the game. He is, like, talking his shit. Like, he, he's go, he is bragging about it. But he's not going to do that in oh, the yeah. press. He's not going to do that when they're doing the interviews for this show. I can see a Burrow, I can see a Mayfield doing that, because I think of Baker Mayfield, um, I don't remember what the opposing university was, but um, planting the flag in the middle of the field. Like, it's stuff like that. Mayfield... Like, he has that swagger. I think that would be interesting. 
And then to bring it to my middle-of-the-pack guy, I'm tempted to go Gino just because of... <laughs> That's who I thought you'd go My with. bandwagon. But there's there would be more interesting people than Gino. I think you've missed the boat on Gino, honestly. It would be the most interesting season for him would be this year. Um, but obviously there's no way they could have known. <laughs> there's no way they could have known. I think a potential... I mean, you can make the argument that they could have replaced Mariota with him. Yeah, but and I think I think that would made for an interesting, more interesting show. But again, that's not any of their fault. They couldn't have. There's known. no way they could have known. Yeah, I'm throwing it up between two players for me. I'm looking at Justin Fields and Dak Prescott as my kind of middle of the road. Garrett on the higher end of the spectrum, obviously. Yeah. Like similar. I, in my head, I was also thinking Dak for that middle guy. I feel like Dak is one of those guys who would slide in pretty well because he has that personality. And I'm sure I'll let you take it, but. He definitely has that personality, and he slides it right in pretty perfectly. I was thinking along the same lines with that one. Yeah, I and I would go between Dak and Fields. I think Fields has more personality, but I do think that yeah. da- like just the football culture of Dallas is a more interesting thing to analyze. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And so your three guys would be Burroughs, Dak, and what was the last one? Mayfield. That's right. That would actually be interesting. I actually had a similar idea. I think I like the idea of Burroughs for basically all the same reasons. He is like the perfect, like elite quarterback who's going to give you all the personality you could ever ask for. I feel like you could also slide in a guy like Allen. I feel like for the same reason almost that you said Dak with Dallas, just that Buffalo, just everything around that team. And they're going to be really good this next year as well. Like everything around Buffalo and Allen, I think that'd be super interesting too. You took Dak, so I'm going to take off Dak just because I feel like that's there, that's done. I feel like I could probably throw in a guy like Tua. I feel like that'd be yeah. interesting. I feel like uh, I've always been interested by just Tua in general, and I feel like you could even just you could just have that conversation about how he's the only left-handed quarterback left in the NFL. That's interesting enough to me, that whole thing. And then for the third thing, I'm going to – Switch it up a little bit. I Instead of bringing in a guy veteran on the fringe, I feel like it'd be interesting to have like a rookie. I really like the idea of having a rookie quarterback, which is something that I've been thinking ever since I started watching the show. Imagine if they brought in a guy who is straight out of college, who doesn't really know what to expect with the NFL, and you just throw a bunch of cameras at him. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> it would be funny. Like, I think the teams would be up in arms about that, though. They would not be Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. It won't happen. But I'm just imagine. Just think about it. Imagine if you had, you have... Um, it would be Bryce. Let's say we have Burroughs. Bryce Young. Let's say... No, no, no. no you sure. But let's say, for this example, let's say it's not Bryce Young. Because I want the rookie who would be... I want a rookie who's like going to be like blinded by the lights. You know what I mean? I like the contrast of having Joe Burrow. Obviously, cool as a cucumber. You're going to say what you want about Joe Burrow. Let's say you throw Dak in there, another personality. You're going to have no issue there. Then you just have like a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Like, wouldn't that be incredible? <laughs> just like, uh, I, I love the idea of that. But I mean, you could even have a guy like Bryce Young. I just think the idea of having a guy, obviously it'd be a very different contrast between seeing how he prepares for games compared to a veteran quarterback and how like he handles the coaching and how they, even the coaches coach him, right? That'd be a very different thing. And I feel like that contrast would make it interesting, but also just having a guy complete newbie, I think that'd be great. You know where you know which quarterback you can pick to where you would, because yeah, like I, I really like that idea too, and I think that would be 
Kyle Trask. <laughs> no, uh, Kyle Trask, maybe. I was thinking different, where you... It's a person's first year starting. There's a lot of pressure on him. Probably like, doesn't have the in, doesn't have a ton of in game experience. In game experience, um, first round pick, uh, but technically not a rookie. He's been in the league for like three years. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I'd like that. that could be interesting. I feel like that would be interesting. Yeah, I actually, you know what? Now that you say that, I feel like that almost works better. That's that'd be a super interesting show because you could also just have the parallel of. Imagine if you did this, and hear me out on this, your elite guy replaced with Aaron Rodgers, and all of a sudden you have that contrast, and you could really build around that. That'd be an interesting show. That would be good. That would be good. And Rodgers would be another good personality to put in there, too. Like, he would be... I think the elite guys... When I was first thinking, when I was thinking that, in my head, I was thinking Rodgers. I was thinking, for that elite guy, Rodgers would be pretty much perfect. But I don't... I, I like the idea of having a young guy, which is I've feel like probably why you said Burroughs as well, partially. Like, I think it's important to have a guy who's going to be in the league for a couple, like, years to come. Because you want to have a guy who, let's say, because this is going to be on Netflix for God knows how long, right? You don't want a guy who's going to be out of the league in three years, in my opinion, right? Obviously, at least not for your elite guy. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I think I, I, you have a lot of, you have a lot of leeway to choose, from that too like it's not like there's so many players who are on their last legs but the counter argument to that would be like i i understand you want to have someone who you can market the league to for a long time but i do think that a player like aaron Rodgers has enough name recognition to draw people in and also after he retires for people to be like oh i knew who that was like i get this yeah because he, that's true he's, that's he a very that good guy point and i do think it was it's another interesting perspective to show a guy at the end of his career like, I think that would be another interesting perspective to show because I think it's about showcasing different sides that the first um, season didn't. So maybe you could have the... Con- that would work even better with Jordan Love, obviously, when you point out something like that. Guy at the end of his career... Let I Obviously, this isn't going to... I don't... Nobody knows if A-Rod, how many more seasons A-Rod's going to play. But let's say this is his last dance. The contrast of having a rookie versus a guy in his last dance last year... He's making one more run at it. That'd be an interesting show. That'd be really interesting, right? Yeah. And then middle guy, you can slide in Kirk Cousins. Can let's get more Kirk. Who <laughs> wants more Kirk? Let's throw more Kirk for everyone. You know, that'd oh, be. Yeah. I'd love that personally. <laughs> I would too. The one guy, I, I, I'm not. I'm just gonna say it just because I do feel like it's too obvious to not to not just bring up the idea at least. The one other guy that I would really like to see in the show at some point is Lamar Jackson. As that superstar, he, yeah, that'd be that, that would be personality overflowing. Like he, he is awesome, and it would be a different side of it too to showcase that dual threat. Because Mahomes, while he's awesome and has running ability, but it's more of a last resort for him. And you also, and you also have to think about it as I wonder what different training Lamar does, just around having to to game plan around the fact that he will be running a ton of game, right? Yeah. Obviously, I imagine that's going to be a little different. And obvious again, you're moving back over. I feel like we could dance around this forever, so we should probably try and wrap this up. But if you move back over to doing a wide receivers one or even defense, imagine in that type of situation, I feel like you'd also get that, where you get to see that different side of the preparation and different side of all that, right? So there's a lot of different ways you can take it. I think that's the biggest thing that we've done a pretty good job emphasizing in the last 26 minutes. But I, I think... 
it's really, I don't know if you can necessarily mess it up that bad unless you just make it entirely punters. But even that, I'd probably That would be good. That would be a good show. That would be good. But, like, you know what I mean, though. I would Where, like, I feel like that would get... Punters You'd watch all ten? Punters are people... (laughs) You'd watch all ten? But that's the thing. Oh. Okay. Listen. Simon, Simon, (laughs) as an ending for the segment, give me your three punters. Give me your three punters. What do you mean, my three punters? Top three punters? No, no, no. Three punters that you would like to see featured on the punter show. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um... Dixon, for sure. Yes, easy. Seahawks, don't care. Dixon, throw him there. Oh, you're throwing me on the spot here. Um, who else is a punter? Can Simon the... three punters? <laughs> God, crack. I... Me and you aren't going to be friends at the end of this game. I don't like <laughs> you anymore. Uh, why am I thinking that Hecker's... Hecker is still Hecker's a punter. Hecker is still in the league. Hecker's a punter. Hecker. I Why did I think he was a kicker? Okay. Nope. Hecker's, Hecker's a punter. Hecker's a punter. And make Pat McAfee come out of retirement. And let's end the thing here. <laughs> <laughs> end it there. Sweep the... <laughs> what is your NBA all-time starting five? If you could name any player from any decade, any era, as long as it falls under the you know, criteria that it is five guys, who would you pick? And Steph Curry recently gave his and it's pretty interesting obviously uh he said i'll just list them out and then we can we can talk about it a little bit but he started off by saying at point guard magic johnson shooting guard michael jordan not very controversial so far that is generally the generic pick right there those two guys you will see right off the bat almost on any single one then it starts to get interesting small forward kobe bryant well Power forward, Tim Duncan, not very controversial. Center, Shaq. There's three or four guys you can slide in there without any arguments from anyone. Like, obviously, pretty good. In my opinion, pretty solid. Obviously, he didn't want to slide himself in at point guard. Totally fair. But, uh, Caleb, what do you think about his general picks? And okay. uh, just in general. <laughs> my thing is just, I think, I think looking at it right away, the biggest thing you'd say is, like, obviously there's no LeBron. That that would be the biggest no LeBron, biggest omission that you'd see. But looking, but, but yeah. it's not like offensive or anything to me. Like putting Kobe no. in over LeBron doesn't feel like like LeBron's being wronged too much. Could you have fit him in somewhere else in the lineup? Like potentially, but who are you going to slide out? Like are you are you sliding out? <sighs> I was about to make that for comment as well. LeBron, are you sliding out Tim Ooh. Duncan? Like those are those are tricky arguments to make, right? Because um, then you feel yeah. like you're I, I was going to say, if I were to slide anyone out of this lineup, just from what I'm looking at, obviously, I feel like you slide out Magic, but obviously there's going to be a lot of lot of NBA fans, in just in general, who would say Kobe, and I totally get that. Personally, I feel like I'd slide out Magic, but then again, obviously Steph left LeBron off his list entirely. It is, it is interesting. Obviously, the rivalry's been there for the last uh, pretty much decade. It is, it's interesting that he wouldn't put him on there because you'd think that it would give a guy like Curry more respect towards the greatness that obviously LeBron has. But obviously, like you said, not a very disrespectful list. And yeah. uh, one thing that I wanted to do here, because we haven't really done anything like this on this podcast, but I, re- I really wanted to give our top fives because I know that... Over the years, I know I'm more of an NBA fan than you are. 
but I feel like I've given probably a hundred different ones because you every single time something like this comes up, you get asked if you're an NBA fan, what is your all-time top five? And at least for me, it feels like it changes either every couple months or every couple years. There's a couple of guys who stay consistent, don't get me wrong, but generally like as you watch the game evolve and watch more guys more and obviously guys slide in, guys slide out, and there's and that's the thing with something like this. When you're picking five players out of thousands, it's so tough that I feel like there's so many respectable options. I If you want to go first with this one, because I feel like uh, I, I'd, I'd rather go second for this, but um, if you want to go first, go right ahead. In terms of go. my in terms of my overall lineup? Yep. If you okay. want to just throw okay. that there. Okay. I'm getting it I'm I'm still getting it together. I'm thinking You're still getting it together? It's it's a tricky okay. it's a tricky thing to do, right? Because it's Okay. Anytime you're um anytime Do you want me to get mine first? No, no, no. I'll give I'll give mine. I'm I'm pretty much ready. But I okay. I'll I'll just say like anytime you are making a list like this, you feel you feel like you're leaving someone out, right? Like, That's you feel like you're there's someone no, just by making the list. There's absolutely no way that you could make it that you're not going to leave someone out. Because, like, even when I'm looking at Curry's, the thing is, and this is a spoiler, I'll say this, I also have Tim Duncan. But just, I'm using that as an example. For that one, I feel like, as from the power forward position, Tim Duncan is very, very much not controversial. Tim Duncan, best power forward of all time. You will not get an argument out of anybody. But then again, there's a little bit of me that wants to go, mm, you could slide Dirk in there. You could slide Dirk. Dirk would be pretty cool in that spot. Or even you could move another center. Who knows? Maybe you want to slide Hakeem in there. Maybe you want to put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You could throw a bunch of guys in there, and you wouldn't get a complaint out of me. You, I would not think that was strange that you left Duncan out just because part of me, even though I do think Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time, it's not controversial to me if you want to throw another guy. Hell, we were talking about LeBron. If you replace LeBron with Duncan, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily be shaking my head at you. I'd be like, okay, I get it. Like, I get it, right? That's the thing. There's so many options that you can slide in there. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think so too. And I, that, that is what makes it tricky. Um, and I'm gonna. I try to make my list. I I have my list. I I tried to make it different than than Curry's. I, I there's some you have to repeat. I'm not leaving out Michael Jordan, but I'm yeah, trying to fair. trying to make it a little bit different. Just I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily gonna be my the best team of all time. If you go through all the possibilities, like I'm sure you can find a better line. So you I think, you're I just think making sure to throw out the context that you were trying to avoid. The I'm guys trying that you to avoid chose. using the same. No, I'm not like okay. using it as a hard and fast rule, but I'm trying to make it a little okay. bit different. Um, I I can't say I did that, but I could definitely on the spot afterwards. I'll give one that's the same to, to try and beat this. Yeah, so I'll I'll throw I'll throw up my picks. So I'll go for shooting guard. I'm gonna go Michael Jordan. That feels obvious. That I I don't need to yep. explain why. Um, no, I can, I can, <laughs> you shouldn't have put Michael Jordan. And I shouldn't have put Michael Jordan on the top five. That's <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, no. Heresy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like that that doesn't need any explanation. I'll move on. I do feel like it's a bit of a snub to not have LeBron on there because as dumb yep, as I do think I the that. argument is for between MJ and LeBron, I do think MJ is significantly better. Um, I do think LeBron has 
fully cemented himself in that second best of all time conversation because you look at the longevity you look at um well he hasn't has as as much playoff success um he leads in every stat like um and he did have the misfortune of playing for some pretty bad Cavs teams out of the gate um and he didn't have some of that especially early in his career he didn't have same some of that same supporting cast that MJ did in terms of looking at Scottie Pippen looking at Dennis Rodman uh um, so I do think it's important to have him in an all-time top five. And well, like maybe Curry, like I'm, I'm trying to think of reasons why Curry would have left him off his list. Um, maybe because you don't want to snub a guy like Kobe, uh, or any of the players that he put on there. But, um, uh, maybe he was trying to avoid players who are still playing. But I think if LeBron retired today, like he's fully cemented in that second best of all time conversation, so I think you have to put him there. Um, about to sneeze. Um, but yeah, I'll move on from that, and from from here on, we can start having conversation. I think for my picks. Okay. So for, for I'm excited. Center, Let's hear. For center, I'm putting. Who did who did he put again? He put. Uh, he put Shaq. Put Shaq. He put Shaq. Which yeah. obviously you can't argue with that, but I do think no. this is the one where the, there's the biggest room for debate, especially looking at some older players than Shaq. I, I think you have to look at a Bill Russell. I think you have to look at a Kareem. Ooh. The ultimate way that I'm going with this is I'm going Wilt Chamberlain. And okay. I kind of figured that's where you're going to go. I won't fight with you on that because there's no point in, there's no point in fighting with you on that. It's not the choice I would have made, but I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. And you can't, I, just, I, I will, you will not find me arguing against the guy who, Scored 100 points in a game. Yeah, and I think that's where... <laughs> I think that's what puts him over the top for me. It's just there's so many... Like, if you look up some stats of Will Chamberlain, there's just, like... He was oh, so yeah. much better than everybody else maybe we can, the time. We should probably so, go down that rabbit hole, maybe, and that deserves its own, like, thing. Yeah, because like, he, he, that, that's why I think if you put him in this lineup, well, it is, like recency bias affects him and any of these lists because he played in an older era than pretty much anybody else you're going to see on these lists but just because of how yep. dominant he was the fact that you can score 100 points in a basketball game i don't care i don't care where you're playing Bonkers. that's insane Crazy. like the oh, like, yeah. you just think of the picture of him holding up the um the <laughs> piece of paper with 100 on it like that that is will Chamberlain. Yeah. And I think that kind of I, dominance deserves a spot on my list. I'm kind of surprised because I figured that we would be fighting on at least one of these or I'd have an argument against them. I, While I can tell you right now, your list won't look a lot like mine, I don't disagree with yours at all. It's like we, like I said before, like there are so many guys you can slide in that I just won't, I won't fight you on it. I totally get it. Yeah, uh, here's where you might start disagreeing with me. Uh, <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, so I, I don't know how good of a case I can make for it either, but I'm... Uh, who do I need? So I need port power forward. So, so you went with Tim Duncan. Obviously, great choice. I'm going to change that up a little bit and go... Because Tim Duncan, obviously, big... Scary. Obviously, very, very good. Like... Yeah. No, I'm not going to see her an argument for me. But I'm going to go with a guy who had a little bit less team success, a lot less team success, infamous infamously a lot less team success um hmm. but overall still one of the greatest players of all time i think i'm adding a great rebounder to this lineup as is inherent in his nickname um and gonna inject some personality into this team i'm going with charles barkley oh 
Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I'm thinking... Okay. I mean... I, I get it. Think, yeah, explain it. I don't, think that's, I don't it. think that's that controversial to say. Um, but, like, he... When, I, when I'm thinking of, of players who, who I need for this lineup, um, I'm, want, I'm wanting a guy like Barkley, because we already have... We already have big-time scorers. We've got MJ, we've got LeBron, we've got Will. We're going to put up points. Um... I want the yeah. guy who can grab the rebounds. I want a guy like Charles Barkley on my team um, to complement pieces like MJ, LeBron, and Chamberlain. I think that's um, something that would be important if I'm actually making this into a team. Um, and I think he'd, he'd slide in really well there. Yeah. And like I said, like I said before, I don't necessarily... I wouldn't... I feel like that's the one that's the most controversial to me. Charles Barkley, by all means... Legend. He is a great player. He's exactly what you need for that role. Like you said, he's a great defensive guy, great rebounder. If you were, you can, obviously, like you said before, you were trying to pick guys that Curry didn't have. And by that point, I totally get where you're coming from. There are a couple of guys that I feel like I would have slid in that role before Barkley. Like I would have gone like Kevin Garnett. I feel like that's one that Kevin I would have slid over, in there. Over Barkley? I'd say so, yeah. Okay. I'd say so. Okay. Uh, now I'm putting my myself on the spot. I'm trying to think of a couple. I don't know. I feel like there's there's a lot of really really elite power forwards. That, like I said, I mentioned Dirk before. Yeah, I'm going to leave say, him out of this just because. Dirk. I did mention Dirk. I'm going to leave him out of this just because he's not what you're looking for. With that Dirk was a scorer. He wasn't a yes, rebounder. Like he wasn't necessarily athletic. Yeah. He's not a defender. That immediately removes him from that list. As much as I love Dirk. If we were talking about all-time players that I love, Dirk would be my power forward, no question. But it, if for what you're looking for, you're going to get exactly that out of Barkley. And that's why I have no issue with that. Like you, The way that you backed it up, I have no argument against that. Obviously, Tim Duncan, that is exactly what you would be getting out of Duncan. That's why Duncan was so good at what he did. He was... He was Mr. Fundamentals. He was perfect at that, right? He was a perfect, he was a great defender, great rebounder, exactly what the Spurs dynasty needed to win all those championships that they won. Obviously, you're not going to get as much out of Barkley, but you're still going to get a lot. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think it's important to put that context in true. Like, I, I, if I'm creating a lineup, yeah, for sure. like, I think that's where I'd slide in Barkley. And I think, and which one, lost... which, which one have you not hit? I haven't hit my point guard. Um, okay. okay. So, I... This one might be my most controversial because there's a lot of guys, like, I'm looking... Um, obviously he point guard's Magic. tough. He, he picked Magic, which makes sense. Yep. Um, one of the most... Like, I think of Magic Johnson, I just think... It's the same thing, like, I, I think a common theme throughout Steph's list is just, like, dominance. Especially, like... Like, like when I look at that team, I think it's, like dominant like fit like yeah. it imposed like if i'm going up against those guys i feel the championship pedigree i'm looking at um the amount of championships obviously mj has won i'm looking oh, at yeah. the amount of championships tim duncan has won kobe Shaq, magic johnson like they are proven winners but i'm gonna put that a little bit to the side for my point guard and i'm gonna go with <laughs> okay. a guy who because again we've got um i'm not not necessarily saying like um, I'm not getting another score because I am getting another score. But 
Okay, I'm scared. I'm, I'm, putting, <laughs> I'm putting in there a guy who, well, well, you're looking at dominance, and I already have a lot of that in the lineup. I'm thinking with MJ, LeBron, Wilt, like, dominant, intimidating guys. I'm looking for somebody who I deem as electric, like a playmaker. Some somebody who gets the okay. fans out of their seats. And when I think that, I think Allen Iverson. Ooh. That's a that's a good one. I wasn't even thinking of AI. Oh, you were scaring me. I thought you were gonna say like Westbrook or something. <laughs> oh no. No. I, I think Allen Iverson and you I know think what? that's I think you that's know another what? one where I, I'm similar to Barkley. I'm thinking less along the lines of team success and just who is the kind of player, irregardless of how yeah. much they can carry a team, that I would want to complement my big-time pieces. And I'm thinking Alan For sure. You will not get an argument on that because I love AI. I love the way he played. He would fit perfectly. He is the type of guy that I you would have no issue from me. I personally, no issue with that. Okay. Now I'm excited to get into mine. Obviously, I think I'm going to give two here, so I'll quickly go through it because I want to do what you did. I want to try and make a lineup out of guys that Curry didn't pick just to kind of do the same thing you did. I didn't do that with my first one. I'll spot you MJ. We'll spot you MJ, though. We'll spot me MJ? Just to make it even because I did that too. Mm. Unless you don't want to. Sure. Unless you don't want to. Well, I'm I'm thinking. I'm thinking because I'm going to have to do it on the spot. But maybe, you know what? No, I don't need MJ. We'll be good We'll be good. Maybe. We'll see. I'll think about it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, my lineup for context. So I saw this article line and I instantly knew that this is what I wanted to do for the podcast. This is the this was a segment that I thought would be perfect. I didn't open the article before I wrote my top five because I didn't want to have any, I didn't want to get any inspiration for it. I just wanted to put my top five guys on a list and then compare it, right? So I wanted just completely blind who I would have if I needed to make a roster out of the top five guys that I think would work great together, right? So I'll move into it. I'll start at the same spot you did. Shooting guard, Jordan, 6-0 into the, in the finals. Greatest player of all time. Feel like I don't need to defend that one. <laughs> Next, I'll move into center. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Same thing as Curry. Absolute most dominant center of all time. I feel like he's one of those guys who you can slide in in this argument where obviously at in the center spot, you're never going to get an argument out of anyone. He's one of those guys you could say Shaq, Hakeem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, any of those guys, even Tim Duncan at center, I feel like you won't get an argument out of anybody. Power forward, already spoiled it, Tim Duncan. Feel like I've already made that argument. I wanted a defensive guy. I wanted a guy who could really help... Sh- Tim Duncan, Shaq in the post, you're not scoring on that. There is no way in hell. Small forward, I'm biased because I grew up watching this guy, Kobe Bryant, and then point guard Magic Johnson. So in total, I ended up choosing the exact same team as Stephen Curry. <laughs> and I am not kidding. I am not. I, I had it written down. I I don't, obviously, I can't prove it. But um, I thought it was really funny just because of the whole... I'll give a second one now because I want to give a second one. I want to give, I want to do the same thing you did because that's arguably a better idea. (laughs) But if I were to throw five guys out there who I think would be the best lineup of all time, I completely agree with them. Obviously, like you said, keeping LeBron off, I just think on the standpoint of if you have magic out there, you don't need another playmaker. 
that I didn't want to make that argument for Steph because I wanted to make that argument for myself because that's why I chose to keep LeBron off. I felt like it would be better to have another scorer out there and having Jordan and Kobe on the same court would be absolutely bonkers on the same team. Obviously they played against each other, but whatever, what have you. Now, if we're going to get into a lineup to beat this, I feel like it'd be very tough. Obviously, like I said, I'm trying to beat the same lineup that I would have picked. Point guard, Steph Curry. Not, not a hard choice there, obviously. Small, I'll move into small forward, LeBron. He's the obvious next choice. So that, that leaves Steph Curry, LeBron. I feel like at power forward, you want a guy who's going to match up well against Tim Duncan. You want a guy, Tim Duncan, great post defender. You want a guy who's going to give him some trouble. Feel like you throw Kevin Durant out there, maybe at power forward in that spot. Feel like that little bit of range would really give Duncan some issues. And then center, I feel like, like I said, you could slide in a couple guys for the sake of Lakers. I'll throw Kareem in there. And then you said you'd give me Jordan. I don't think I'll take Jordan. Okay. Not because Jordan wouldn't be an instant upgrade to this guy. I feel like I'd probably slide. I feel like you could either say I, I I'm fighting with myself only because you said AI and I love the idea of throwing AI on a team like this. But I feel like I'd go Dwayne Wade. I really like Wade. Okay. I think he could fit he's he's one of those guys where we've seen him be able to fit into star teams really well and just work around the other guys around him. That would be my lineup for that. Okay. That feels like a very You're definitely It's a very picking, safe lineup. You're definitely picking from an era. You're definitely picking from yeah. the era that yeah. I think we both would have grown up like watching, right? Like for sure. Dwayne Wade and Curry and um Durant. Like it's a very it's a very modern ish lineup. Modern Which I think would be I think would be I think would be interesting because I do think it it's a it's a stars of the of of now generally versus again, now ish. Dwayne Wade isn't necessarily the star anymore. True. Um, but now-ish is in the last, like, 10-ish years um, versus players who were obviously stars in the past. We're looking at um, Kobe being the most... Kobe and Tim Duncan being the most current, but then you're looking at Jordan, Magic Johnson, Shaq um, a little bit earlier. Yep. I think that would be an inter- that would be a very interesting game to play. Um, like... Yeah, uh, for sure. It'd be... The thing is, it's... I do. I think the team that I, I I chose to try and beat this team that Curry brought up. Do I think it would beat it? No, probably not. Because, like I said, I was choosing a team to be the best starting five of all time, and I ended up with the same one. Because that's just the thing. Like you, the, at least in my personal opinion, feel like you can't get more perfect than that. Obviously, like I said, you can slide in guys, slide in guys, slide out guys. And it would still end up around the same thing where you wouldn't get an argument out of me. But if you were to ask me what the perfect starting five is, it's right there. I don't think you could get a, you wouldn't get an argument out of me. So last Saturday night, I believe it was, I got the chance to go down to Windsport over, uh, I guess if you don't know where that is, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, to watch a game of the new startup uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League. Uh, which I assume not many people have heard of. Uh, it was super fun. We watched the Calgary Surge take on the Saskatchewan Rattlers. Uh, Calgary won by a pretty 
significant margin. Uh, it was great. It was surprisingly good atmosphere for such a small league, small team, small venue. Um, the fans were great. The play was surprisingly good. Um, got some great dunks in there. Uh, some great back and forth play, especially in the first half. Um, and it overall felt like a great basketball experience, for which was surprising given how small and startup the league seemed to be. But the biggest thing that caught my attention and something that I think you can project out to um, a bigger league like the NBA is how they ended their games. They used a system called the Elam ending, uh, which for those of you who don't know, it's something that the NBA has used in the past few All-Star games. Uh, it's where instead of having a timer for the fourth quarter, uh, the way that the they did it in the game that I watched is you play normal basketball game up until about four minutes left in the fourth quarter. After you've gone past that fourth minute, the next stoppage in play, uh, you take the score of the team who is currently winning, you add nine to that score, and it becomes your target score. And once you reach that, once a team reaches that target score, then the game is over. There's no winding up the clock, um, a team who's behind can have infinite time to do so, but they do have to reach that target score. So let's say, I think, in the game uh, that I watched, I think it was about... Uh, the target score was, I think, like 82. 79? Was it 79? Was it oh, yeah, it was 79. It was I, 79. I thought I read it was 79. It was 79. Um, yeah, it was 79, which meant that they had 70 points going into it. Uh and Saskatchewan was stuck at, like, 52 or something. So, obviously, a huge advantage going to Calgary in that one, um, but that's kind of how the system's supposed to work, right? Calgary only needs nine points. Saskatchewan needed, um, like, a solid 20 or whatever. And I think it's an interesting system. It's one that I really liked, and it's one, as me being more of a casual basketball fan, wondering if it's just me who's more open to some of these new ideas, and is more of a... Uh, long-time basketball fan, do you like this new system, or do you see it as something that's a little bit gimmicky? You know what? Normally, when it comes to most things like this, I would be against it. But the more that I... And if I hadn't done more research into exactly what the what the, it was as a whole, I would have been probably against it if I hadn't... But now that I've done a little bit more digging, I have a better understanding of it. I can definitely say I'm for it. And mainly because I think it makes the game a lot more interesting. And the whole reason behind it was the, or the begin, if I, you could, I could be wrong in this. I'm pretty sure I remember reading this, but I believe the reason that it was made in the first place was because when you watch a regular game of basketball, especially in the NBA, in the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter, you'll see it go really slow because they're fouling people and they're calling timeouts and all these different things. And when you throw a timer out of the way and it just becomes trying to get to a certain score, it completely changes the game. It keeps this, the pace going and it makes it more interesting. And it, obviously it shortens the games. That's not as important. We're not talking about baseball, but it's still, it makes it more interesting, which is something that I'm very for. Like I think taking out the amount of fouls at the end of the games and the amount of timeouts, obviously it kind of removes... Not really, I guess. I was going to say it kind of removes buzzer beaters, but even then, you're still, you could still be like two or three points 
you know, it could be a very close game where both teams are very, very close to the target score and one team only needs two to hit it or something like that, right? Like, you could still have that buzzer-beater victory, which personally, you, your only question there was whether I'm for it or not as a longtime basketball fan. Personally, if the NBA brought this in, I think it would make the NBA way more entertaining. I think it would do a lot for the game as a whole. It would reduce the amount of fouls, which I am totally for. And it would just make the end of the game more fun. You asked, you threw in a word there that I think would a, a lot of fans would probably use against this, which is that it could be seen as gimmicky. But I don't, I don't like that. I think that I personally really like... I don't think that just because something is new doesn't mean that it's gimmicky. I like the idea that you can bring in new parts to the game and have it just fit in well because it works and not be hated because it's new. Like there's examples all across sport of new facets of the game being added to certain things, obviously to, there's been a lot of people against, um, I'll use two, these are two different hockey things. One getting a lot of bad recognition and one getting good recognition. But obviously the first thing I'll bring up is the shootout when that was added. People in the hockey realm and the NHL realm, and I'm sure Caleb, you have an opinion on this because everyone does. People don't like the shootout. People don't like that it was added. They don't like it at all. They wish that a lot of people wish that they it just probably kept went to a tie. I know that that isn't a controversial opinion. But one thing that people really like is the they moved away from four on four to three on three overtime, which is instantly was loved because it just instantly made overtime so much more thrilling. And that's one of the this change I think would give be the same as making it three on three overtime. You know what I mean? It'd be basketball's version of three on three overtime. Yeah. And I think um, it's a lot to, uh, there, there's, a, there's a couple things I wanted to hit on. Cause I, I did kind of go back and forth on this in my head. I think there's arguments you can make for it and arguments you can make against it. Um, the idea that there's no more buzzer beaters is definitely something uh, to keep in mind. Like I'm thinking of, um, things like the Kawhi Leonard shot to beat the 76ers, like that same drama True. isn't there. Um, there was a game that I went to, um, the only NBA game I've ever went to, it was Magic Wizards, and I'm sure it's, uh, went to that game in Orlando, I'm sure it, it, it was a long time ago by now, so I don't know if people remember this or not, but it was a game where there's about 0.8 seconds left, and they were inbounding the ball, and essentially they just threw up an alley-oop to John Wall, and... Uh, they were down by one, 0 0.8 seconds left, and they got it in. And that was insane. Like, I've never seen... I've been to a lot of in-person sporting events in my life. I've never seen a stadium go silent as fast as uh, that Orlando stadium did. Because it's 0 0.8 seconds, you don't think anything can happen. And that John, John Wall comes in and just destroys that franchise. Um, like, you are kind of eliminating moments like that. But on the other hand, you can flip it and say... Now there's a buzzer beater. You're going to create night. way more moments like that. Yeah. You can um, start you. Because, again, like, I, I pulled up the actual scores. You were right. It was The target score was 79 in the game that I watched. And the score going into the target score was 70 to 59. It's So you think it's Saskatchewan has to get 20 more points to reach at 79. Calgary only has to get 9. Not necessarily a close game. Yeah. Uh, Calgary dominated but, that second half. But it was still an interesting game all the way down to that last play. It kind of, it did end a little bit anticlimactically because it ended on a free throw, but to get up to that 79 
was it was awesome like that the the to get to 78 even um it was a great steal by Calgary yeah. that led to an awesome dunk like um that moment was awesome and it that kind of like that wouldn't have happened in a regular NBA game and i think eliminating something like eliminating the buzzer beater is worth it to avoid all of the other like terrible endings to a basketball game so i know like as True. a casual basketball fan, I like I really like watching basketball, but one of the biggest reasons I can't get into it as much as I want to is fouls because it just feels like you're shooting free throws more than you're playing the actual game, especially in the end. I get on And as and if I'm gonna just jump in there just to reassure this, as an as someone who I watch ca- basketball a lot more casually now, but even when I didn't and I was very, very involved in the and or not involved, but you know what I mean. Watching a lot more often, or watching the NBA a lot more often, I had the same issue. I hated fouls. Everyone hates fouls. That's how it is. Fouls suck because at the end of the game, it could be super close, and then two minutes last ten because everybody keeps jumping on each other and not letting anybody get shots off. And then you end up with games where James Harden has twenty free throws, and it's just like. And it's, eh. I, I think <laughs> it's the, the the issue with fouls is honestly. You brought up the shootout. It's the same issue to me. It's that they're not, to decide the game, they're not playing the sport. And I don't even think it's that it's last long because in the NFL, like, I know one of the reasons, like, my mom couldn't get into football as much is she'd go to a football game and, or even have, like, me and my dad watching and she'd be like, oh, like, dinner's ready. Like, how many minutes are left in the game? We'd be like, two minutes are left. But obviously in football, two minutes is two minutes, especially, like, yeah, especially in the CFL where minutes. the clock stops after every play after oh, yeah. three minutes. Like two minutes or the, after the two minute or three minute warning, you have like a lot of... You might have to skip uh, dinner and just see your breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's, for me, that's not an issue because there is added suspense and strategy in those last two minutes. It's not just the sure. strategy of like basically like hack-a-shack fouling, um, hoping that someone misses a free throw so that you can come back. It's not that same strategy. And I was going to... Time I was going to... I was... I'm very happy you pointed that out because, like you said, there's just... That that level of the game just isn't there when it comes to fouling somebody. It's just... It's just not... You don't see that as much from basketball. I think that's the appeal that football has, at least to somebody like me, where I love learning the strategy behind things. Even in basketball, the little things in basketball, I love the strategy side of basketball. But you don't get to see that as much as you do in sports like football. And I feel like I'm maybe a little biased saying hockey considering I played it my whole life and I'm able to watch it knowing the strategy behind it. But in sports like that, I can appreciate the strategy a lot more than I can in something like basketball. Especially when at the end of the game it's just foul, 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 foul. Which is why I personally, like I said, I am. If they change this, you would not hear a peep out of me. I would love it. I think it would be great for the game as a whole. Yeah, and I think it would be too. And I think honestly, it would get me into watching basketball. I would tune into a lot more games just because of this. Because when I do tune in, it's the fouls that turn me off, like in the main chunk of the game. But then I got even more frustrated. And it maybe it's hypocritical speaking as a football fan because. Um, like <laughs> talking, talking about commercial breaks, like football has more commercial breaks than any other sport, and it, I like for people who are gonna like dunk on me for 
making that point as a football the point about commercial breaks as a football fan trust me i hate the commercial breaks in football too um if there's anything that my sport needs to improve it's that but what football does right is that there are no commercial breaks in that last two minutes you hit the two minute warning you know that's the last commercial break you're tuning into um, unless there's overtime obviously you're tuning into that last two minutes of drama normally when the game is decided if it's a good game it's where the game is decided and it's uninterrupted and basketball timeout after timeout after timeout because you're saving it for those last couple minutes and it just breaks at the game i'm watching the nba finals or i'm watching the playoffs and i just like the suspense <laughs> is there like i'm into the game and it just keeps get, getting broken up to where i don't care anymore i don't care anymore when you reach that end of a playoff game because I've already been subjected to like two different commercial breaks because teams have taken a timeout. Strategically, it's the right move. It just isn't right for the game. Of course. If you got this new ending, like, you would eliminate those situations. I think that a lot of... I think whether whether it's going to happen and whether it should or I think or you think it should happen is two very different things. Because personally, if you're asking me whether I think that the NBA is going to bring this in, if I were to give a prediction, I would probably say sadly no, because of the thing that you said right at the beginning, is that even though I personally, I don't think it's a gimmick at all. I think it would be perfect. And I think that's kind of what you're saying too. I think it would be add so much more entertainment to the game. But you got to realize that there are a lot of people who grew up watching and loving the like the the strategy that is there around fouling and the end of the games there that would hate it. And a lot of those guys are old coaches and owners and a lot of people who play the game, right? Like I feel like the chances of that change actually coming is a lot lower than it should be, sadly. But yeah. I mean, who knows? They did it in the All-Star game. <laughs> Obviously, doing something in the All-Star game doesn't mean anything, but yeah, yeah at true. least it shows they're interested. And I do think, I, yeah. I think you're right. I think that um, there will be basketball purists out there that will say that this is a terrible idea. And I kind of get where they're coming from. Um, like, if you made a similar change to football, like it, I, I, there's a bunch of reasons why I think a target score wouldn't work in football. I think that would be a terrible idea. I think it's uniquely suited for basketball. But, like, if you yeah, made a similar I change, I would be, like, out of my chair. I would be furious. Um, but I do think something you can compare it to in terms of the rigidity, like, this is how it's always been done, so this is how it will continue to be done, mindset is in terms of kickoffs. There is a great, yeah, great okay. proposed rule change in the NFL to where um, there... I am of, really of, happy you brought that up because if you didn't, I definitely would have, but definitely continue. Yeah, it's... um. So I'm going to... I think I've plugged... John Boys, literally every episode of this podcast. <laughs> but I, I, I don't, I don't him. think he did last time. Oh, I don't no, think he did I'm last gonna, time. But I'm before, gonna plug, I'm going to plug him again. And there's another. I don't know if we'll get to it, but there's another opportunity where I might plug him later. Um, but I will plug the video that I've mentioned before. Kickoffs are stupid and bad, and I think it's a great video. <laughs> and it introduces. It, it was my introduction to the idea that we should eliminate kickoffs entirely and instead replace all of them with punts. You get, I don't remember the specific details, but you get like a 4th and 15, 4th and 20 from your own 25. And immediately after you score, you kick a field goal, you score a touchdown, that's your situation. You get the ball right back. Um, 
in most situations, because it's so deep in your own territory, because it's 4th and 15, most teams are going to punt. And a punt, by definition, is more exciting than a kickoff. Punt returns are more exciting than kickoff returns. He goes into that in the video. Um, punts are safer than kickoffs because you're starting at the same line instead of starting a field apart and running into each other. And um, it also eliminates the on need for an onside kick, which we've seen in leagues like the XFL, um, because you also have the option, instead of punting on that 4th and 15, to go for it, which is a great opportunity for teams to get back in the game. It solves so many issues with the game all at once. It solves player safety. It solves excitement on kickoffs, because who is tired? Like, who, who actually likes seeing kickoffs go for touchbacks every single damn time? And it also solves the issue of the onside kick, to where if there is a two-score game, in the last two minutes, the game is over and you don't really need to watch those last two minutes, barring some sort of miracle. Um, because the onside kick doesn't work as a way to get back in the game. This would work. And it, again, it's a, it's a similar thing to what I've said before. Given three free throws, given the shootout, it's a similar thing. The onside kick is deciding a football game by not playing football. If you give them the 4th and 15, you're deciding a football game by playing football. It solves so many issues but it is never going to be uh, accepted into the NFL because this is the way it's always been done. And I think that And that is, is the, the the big thing, the, the big takeaway, I think, right there. Yeah. Just the fact that they won't do it because they didn't do it 70 years ago or whatever, right? Like, if they, if they had done it, like, it doesn't matter if they'll make this game better or not, they just won't. Which, and it sucks, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in 2030 we'll see a much quicker ending to most basketball games, which I would love and would bring me back into basketball. Because I can fully admit that I've watched a lot less basketball in the last couple of years because of a lot of the reasons we have mentioned. (laughs) Like, I just, there's more entertaining things to watch because I don't want to watch people shoot free throws. Yeah. And while I I do think, to, to go to the other side of this argument... Um, well, I do think that people would be too against it. It would be too much of a change um, to actually be implemented. I'll give the NBA credit for being on the cutting edge at least a little bit with new ideas. The whole play, play-in tournament, that was more of a True. result of COVID, but yeah. they've kept it around. And that is a big new change um, that I think has worked. I like the play-in tournament. Now, and they, they are also introducing the in-season tournament, yeah. which we haven't seen yet, obviously. That'll be introduced this season. But to your point, they are definitely doing a pretty good job introducing new ideas that haven't necessarily been seen before on that side. And I think in the NBA, it's a little easier because at least I'm a stat nerd in all the sports I follow. That's how I've always been. That's how I will always be. I love stats. That's why I love working color whenever I'm calling games because I love being able to share stats and just talk about stats. It's my thing, right? The thing that the NBA, when you're adding more games to the season or taking away, the the advantage the NBA has is they don't necessarily figure out who's going to win awards or who's going to get what based on the amount of points they scored over the total season like the NHL would or like, the NFL would with how many touchdowns they scored over the total season. They do averages, which makes it way easier to make changes like this without completely allowing either making it impossible to break records that have been have were set previously, or making it too easy. 
right? Because you don't necessarily want to do that. And I feel like an example I could give is obviously Gretzky's point record in hockey. Just because of the difference in eras, it's not like they really changed that many of the rules that would change it other than goaltending equipment, which I won't get all, get into. But um, nobody is ever going to touch that record because of the difference in era, which sucks because now we'll never know. But I've kind of gone off track now. But to just to continue on your point, the NBA is does have a unique opportunity with that that allows them to... They, they still can do that. They can... They can lower the amount of games. They can add games if they want to do more tournaments. They can move towards different things if they want to try and, like... Obviously, they were trying to... They were inspired inspired a little bit by soccer with the in-season tournament. I think that, like you said, the NBA's just been really good about that. And they... I think a big reason they have been good about that is because they have a unique opportunity that not a lot of sports or other sports leagues have that allows them to do that. Yeah, and I think... um... I think it's a good point to make because I think that is another argument that would come up against it. And it's an argument that I've seen, again, to compare it to other sports in football, adding a 17th game to the season, um, yeah. adding an extra playoff seed. It's You don't have the same standard of comparison. So, like, players are breaking records. Like, I, I can think of a better example. Um, I, I should be able to think of a better example, but I can't. So I'll use the example of, like, Sachs. Yeah, Sachs is a good one, but I was going to use, like, Geno Smith beating Russell Wilson's um, all-time Seahawks single-season passing yards record. Um, True. Like, he he did it because he had an extra game. Like, if you cut it off at the 16-game mark, he wouldn't have. So you don't necessarily have that same standard of comparison. But I do think your point is a good one, and that you can, because basketball is judged differently, you can make that change a little bit easier and i also think in most cases there's a reason they would set it at that four minute mark in most games you're not going to be playing unless the last four minutes turns into a defensive battle you're not going to be playing that much more than you already would and in terms of scoring it's going to be about the same right um and the nba could play with those numbers too if they really want to make it consistent like oh how many points are on average scored in the last four minutes then you base your target score on that. Like, you can adjust for that. Um, True. Which I think can be an interesting part of the rule change. One of the best defensemen we have seen in the NHL in the last decade and a half in Eric Carlson could be on the move, and that feels crazy to say. Despite how bad the San Jose is, it's kind of remarkable (laughs) to me that they would want to give him up. But it seems like Carlson could be on the move to... What could be a contending team with a lot of really, really interesting names in here, with the Leafs, Penguins, Hurricanes, and Kraken all taking a swing at them. I'm really interested to see what you have to say on this, Caleb, because I have a lot of things that I want to bring up for this because it's a very interesting idea with definitely mainly with either the Leafs, Penguins, and Hurricanes. I think if he goes to any of those three teams instantly, they have bolstered their team so much, and I think it'll be... They'll definitely be teams to watch out for, that's for sure. Yeah, I think with Eric Carlson, it is a little bit for me buyer beware. Just because this se- this last season seemed like such a flash in the pan. It feels like, obviously, like not flash in the pan, not as an insult to Eric Carlson. Um, obviously, one of, like you said, one of the greatest offensive defensemen of the last 15 years. Um, obviously, like especially his years in Ottawa, awesome. But he is getting up there in age. He has had issues with injury, 
and there's a reason so many people were surprised by his Norris win this year, by the amount of points he had. Like, looking at, like, our hockey draft that we do, nobody drafted him. Um, people True. didn't see this coming. Which is why I say, buyer beware. Because it feels like... Um, it, it, it's it's a bet. Is it a return to form? Or is it one last, like, dying gasp before he returns back to... If he gets another injury, if he starts to fall off a cliff again in terms of production, that would be where my worry would be. Um, yeah. now and there's that, definitely a big risk there. Yeah. just I'm just going to point this out immediately. I don't know if you're going to jump straight into this, but his cap hit is 11.5 for the next four years. Mm. That's scary. Yeah. Especially if you're making the argument that you are where you should be a little worried. If that's the case, do you really want to be picking up a guy for $11.5 million for the next four years when obviously this next season, he there, I'd say there's a good chance that he'll still do well as long as he avoids injuries. But can you, if you're asking me if he's going to still be that good for the next four years, mm, I, I have a harder time with that. Yeah, and I obviously do too. I think, um, I think for Carlson, the best team fit is a team that is already in contention because I think Carlson is a player you get to push yourself over the hump and that's where Carlson wants to go Carlson wants to go to a team that'll win so he's not going to spend time on any more teams like the Sharks he's getting later in his career he's he's not honestly not as old as I thought he was he's 33 um still obviously players can retire as like at the end of this, his contract, he's probably done. Like, I don't see him paying, playing past age 37, especially with all the injuries he's had. Um, so he wants to win now. So you have to go to a team in contention. But at the same time, I think you have to have a team that can eat up that salary cap it and be fine. Like, you, you take on an Eric Carlson, he flames out. Um, obviously, it's going to be, like, not great for your team. You limited what you can do in the future. But it's not going to completely screw you. You can eat the cap hit without completely dying. So that's why, like, there's one of these teams that I'm thinking, that seems like a terrible idea. There's a couple of these teams that I think, oh, amazing, like, that totally makes sense. And there's another team I'm iffy on. I'm wondering if you can, out of these four that he's, that he's given, I wonder if you can pinpoint what those are i wonder if we think of thinking along the same the way. one that you're iffy on yeah what's the one well what first of all what which one do you think i'm like absolutely no i think this one is uh absolutely no yeah i feel like it'd be the penguins yes okay. yes i feel like i could make more of an argument for the penguins not necessarily i think any of these teams would be good I, I think that Eric Carlson on the Penguins would be enough to bring the Penguins back into that conversation of being back in the playoffs and in the East. And even though the East is... T- I, they wouldn't be a cup contender. I would not try and make that argument by any means. But they would be good enough, in my opinion, to be a playoff team. I don't think that's... Like you just said, that's not Car- what Carlson's going for. Which is why I think, like you said, Leafs, Hurricanes, and Kraken are definitely going to be the three bigger teams. The Kraken is definitely the youngest out of the three, so that's where I'm kind of curious if they necessarily. I, I, you know what? Who knows what that would look like? Do you have a Do you have a favorite for which team that you would want him to go to? Okay, so I do have. Honestly, I did the team that I 
what that I thought I would be the favorite. Be. I feel like I feel like the Kraken, but if you said Hurricanes, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah. I'd say he has quite a bit, yeah. There was a couple of good runs with Ottawa there. Sure, yeah. Team him back up with Brent Burns. You'd be teaming him back up with Brent Burns. Yeah. Hmm. Are they younger than the Kraken? <laughs> wow. Really? That is... That is very shocking. Yeah. I would not have... Hmm. That's very interesting, actually, yeah. I mean, I... When I... If I were to pick a favorite out of these four... We haven't even touched on the Leafs yet. We can leave that for last, because I think we both... They're kind of the middle ground where... I would say my favorite, Hurricanes. I'm the same. I think that if he went to the Hurricanes, that would be an incredible situation for both both sides of it, right? You'd be adding a contender, a guy who hasn't won a cup, to a team that really wants to win a cup, <laughs> right? That's like exactly what you could be asking for. It's a guy who could still really add a lot to a squad like that. And then you got the Kraken, obviously. For In my head, I think younger team, but... I guess not, according to the stat you just gave. But I think they're another team that could be on the cusp, potentially. You add a guy like Carlson, and that could be another guy, another leader in the locker room, another guy who can, like I said, still add a lot to that squad. And I think it'd be really, really solid. You can make the argument for the Leafs. I'd be very shocked if they had the cap room to take them on. Penguins are the Penguins. I feel like they're all... The thing is, you just have such an old core. Yeah. And you... And you have to... You have to realize that back... I believe the last cup... They they won a cup in 2017, right? Is that correct? Yeah. In 20... Something like that. Let's pretend they won it in 2017, whatever year it was. They, when they won that cup, the big narrative that I kept hearing, 
was that this would be their last real chance at it because they were getting older. You have to realize that that is five years down the road now, right? Like that we are five years past when people were saying this is their last chance. And you want to add, you want to start stacking that lineup again? I feel like you're going in the wrong direction. I feel like you should have been cutting off fat probably years ago. You know what I mean? I'm not saying trade Crosby. I'm not saying trade Melkin, although maybe I am. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like I, I'm just saying that you're just going to keep spinning your tires. And I don't know if Carlson's, like I said, I could see them being a playoff team, like fringe playoff team, first round exit. Maybe like a miracle. It'd be cool seeing a miracle run with like Crosby, Carlson, and Melkin. Wouldn't that be neat? Is it going to happen? No. <laughs> of course not. But it'd be very neat. Of course it would be. But I don't think... I don't think you can build a team based on need. That doesn't really work very well in sports. Keep them good enough to make it a first round exit. The difference is they're not even making the playoffs with that strategy. They're doing worse than Detroit did. Like, oh yeah. That is insane. I totally agree. <laughs> wow. That's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
they are definitely the odd man out, without a doubt, <laughs> in like all these lineups. We haven't talked about the Leafs once because I feel like they're the least interesting. I just don't. I just don't care. Why? Let's hear it. I am. That's a. It's pretty nice. <laughs> they they would have to get rid of two contracts the size of Eric Carlson's to get Eric Carlson. Bye bye Matthews and Marner, or Matthews and Tavares, whatever you want to do. That's a good trade, right? I'd do it. Yeah, damn good deal. You take that deal? Damn good deal. Thank you so much for watching and listening. It truly means so much. Make sure to check out Trick Play on YouTube, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We are also on Instagram, TikTok, and where we post teaser shorts and updates for everything you need to know about the upcoming episode and the podcast as a whole. Lastly, on behalf of both me and Caleb, thank you so much for making it all the way to the end. It really does mean so much. And make sure to tune in next week for more Trick Play.